Hello and welcome to Bellhaven Podcast. I'm your host, Brent Weber. On today's episode, we'll be listening to PSY 352, Social Psychology with Professor Nathan Smith. I hope you listen and enjoy. So, looking at religiosity and prejudice, continuing that discussion. So, this connection that Alport um, made between uh, intrinsic versus extrinsic religiosity uh, turned out not to be well supported by others who did similar uh, experiments. And this is where we get back to we're trying to categorize and uh, turn into variables something that's very complex, like religiosity, religious experience. Um, so they, they sort of turned to more covert measures of prejudice, uh, and that, that was um, so uh, an overt measure of prejudice, you ask somebody, you know, um, do you think that uh, people of different races are more or less able to accomplish some task, whatever it is, and uh, so they might say, uh, they might say, uh, yes, I think people are, uh, you know, people are different in that way, and then you have sort of this overt racism. But they might say no, but then when you test another way by uh, letting them pick between um, people who are equally qualified but of different races, uh, and they might uh, pick the, say they pick the, the white person over the black or the Asian or the um, Hispanic Latino person, uh, if they do so enough times, it becomes obvious that um, or enough people do this same task, it becomes obvious we're not looking at um, overt racism anymore, we're looking at this covert prejudice, this um, kind of undercover prejudice. So, uh, Batson introduced this other type of religiosity called quest religiosity, and the quest religiosity, uh, in addition to intrinsic or extrinsic, views religion as more complex and resistant to easy answers and doesn't ascribe, maybe necessarily, to a traditional faith tradition. Um, and I, this, is, this is understandable that Batson did this because um, there were a variety of experiences that were not being included in this sort of extrinsic and intrinsic variables, so Batson tried to introduce something else to capture more of these other people, so we can uh, we can have a group made up of those folks. And this uh, quest religiosity was associated with more racial tolerance, at least in the early experiments. Um, and that's a good thing, but it didn't. Uh, it wasn't clear that 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 was uh, the way the group should be broken down. So there was this um, this different type of quest in that last point for those with genuine faith and strong convictions. And this type was associated with more racial tolerance. So, you know, we started with these two groups, intrinsic and extrinsic, added this third group, quest, and then had to break this third group down into smaller groups with um, people with very strong uh, religious convictions. Um, and so you see the sort of complexity in untangling this connection between religiosity and prejudice. And depending on who you ask and how you ask it, um, whether you're talking about explicit um, or covert prejudice, you, you get different answers. So along those lines, um, uh, there, there's, uh, there are further discussions related to Christian orthodoxy, what we'll call CO, and religious fundamentalism, RF. So, uh, so CO is related to lower prejudice, and, and so um, 
in the early experiments, um, you had kind of all of the Christian-y people lumped together in one category. And so what you can, you can have a problem when you do this um, because there might be some subcategory that is driving uh, a relationship. So let's say, uh, let's say for example, if you think about uh, income in the United States, you think um, it's, it looks a lot higher on average than it really is because there are a small number of people who are making incredibly high incomes, you know, say millions of dollars a year. Like the CEO of a corporation might make 40, 50 million dollars a year. And uh, this is, you know, of course, hundreds of times higher than uh, the average person, but it makes the, if you were to say, well, what's the average income? It would make it look way higher than it really is because you have these uh, these few people making extraordinarily high incomes that throw the whole kind of like throw all the numbers off. So really, the um, when you think about the average income, it's not very meaningful. Uh, generally, you ask, um, you know, what's the median income, which is kind of what's the middle person making. You know, not the average because the average is thrown off by these this like really different group. But what's kind of the middle person making? And that's a better way to understand something like income. Uh, so in a similar way, um, when you look at Christians as a whole or religious people in these studies, um, it might be that there are some folks who are different enough that they're throwing the numbers off for the whole group. And the uh, and this type of um, this type of uh, belief system or um, this, this type of situation was happening uh, where you had, uh, so Christian Orthodoxy people who believe in Orthodox uh, Christian beliefs, standard Christian beliefs, normal Christian beliefs, which, you know, again, you want to go to your theologian or pastor, etc., to talk about what those might be specifically. Um, but we'll just say, we'll just call them normal uh, Christian beliefs in quotes and uh, and leave it there because that's outside of the realm of what we want to talk about. But also you had uh, religious fundamentalists and so the RF, uh, we'll look at the definition, the militant way these beliefs can be held related to higher prejudice. So when you think of religious fundamentalism, uh, you, you often hear the term religious extremism uh, in the news media and um, these, these are, terms aren't interchangeable, but they can be uh, similar. So, um, people who might believe uh, that, that um, uh, God is talking uh, to them and giving them a particular um, power or uh, a particular control over others or a particular... Um, and these are often very, very destructive. Um, you know, there's kind of a normal, um, a, a normal level of understanding of God that is uh, healthy and beneficial, and then there's there can be extreme examples where you're probably not uh, actually understanding God at all. You're you're um, you're doing something else which is destructive, um, and it would be beneficial to not do that destructive uh, thing in God's name, but but to to take an actual uh, deep uh, and true interest in in uh, the person of Jesus Christ and of God. So the RF, the religious fundamental uh, fundamentalist, takes this uh, 
highly negative, uh, highly often authoritarian, uh, often highly prejudiced, uh, often very destructive view. And uh, once you were able to kind of pull the religious fundamentalist folks out of the Christian orthodoxy, you found that Christian orthodox beliefs were related to lower prejudice, which is what we would expect um, people trying to love God and love their neighbor as themselves as best as they could. Uh, so it, it is possible that this uh, religious fundamentalist group was dragging the whole group of, of Christian Orthodox folks down. And once they made this distinction, you got sort of better, uh, better numbers, um, more accurate uh, per perceptions. So is prejudice inevitable? Well, there are trends in lower self-reported levels of prejudice, and this is encouraging. You know, uh, self-reported levels of prejudice are going down, that's encouraging. The question, of course, as it always is, how accurate are these results? People know that, uh, that uh, other folks have a negative perception of prejudice and stereotypes, and so do you always get accurate results? So could the results be due to social desirability, to looking good? And I would say, of course, of course, there's always, you always want to think about when you're asking people to answer a question, does this question make them look good? And is that going to give me uh, an unaccurate view of what they're saying? And are people even totally consciously aware of their prejudice? And this, of course, again, the answer is no. Uh, there's all kinds of examples of folks not being aware of their prejudice. And um, we'll have a chance to look at those uh, in a minute. And so, there, so, again, there's this concept of implicit racism that's not consciously aware of racist or prejudiced thinking. And as we've talked about uh, previously, the implicit association test it measures implicit thinking regarding race and gender and age. And I talked about this, I think, in the, in the, uh, the lecture on biases, cognitive biases. I mentioned Jim Sedanius earlier in this lecture. Um, Jim's lab's on the 13th floor of the Harvard Site Building. And if you get off the 13th floor and take a right, you go towards Jim's office, and you take a left, and you go uh, towards uh, Banaji's office, Marjorie Banaji, who did a lot of this work on implicit associations test. Um, and I've, I've described the process earlier. You can look you can look it up if you're interested. The IAT. Uh, it's a very um, surprisingly uh, accurate way of measuring what people are really thinking uh, in regards to race and gender and age and all kinds of things, politics, or uh, all kinds of other ways that you can categorize these. And it shows that most people have automatic negative perceptions that are outside their conscious awareness. And this might be the single most important point of, uh, of any lecture in this course. So I'm going to say it again. It shows that most people have automatic negative perceptions that are outside of their conscious awareness. Think about that. You have automatic, something that just happens, and negative. You have these bad, negative, automatic perceptions that you're not even consciously aware of. And when I say you, I mean you individually, the person listening to this, you have automatic negative perceptions that you're not even aware of. And I do too. <clears throat> I'm aware of some of mine because I've taken the implicit association test on a variety of things. It's made me aware of um, some of my own 
uh, automatic negative perceptions, but there are even more that I'm not aware of. Um, there are all kinds of them that are probably much stronger than I think about myself and for others. This is very important. Whenever you're thinking about uh, any individual you meet on the street, anywhere in the world, is going to have automatic negative perceptions that are outside of their conscious awareness. And these might explain some of the behaviors, some of the prejudices that are hard to understand. Um, and so what is, what, what is the remedy or what, what can be done about this? Well, controlled processes. Being deliberate about establishing more positive views of dissimilar others. That means taking the time and actively thinking and doing the cognitive work it takes to think about dissimilar others, people who are not the same as us, but thinking about them in a positive light, thinking about them, meeting them uh, will help this, uh, interacting with them will help this. Um, there are many things that you can do, but it takes work to break down these automatic negative perceptions. And um, I think as Christians, it's our job to take on this work uh, in ourselves and carry the message out to others.